bear with me for a second, dear listeners, while I collect my thoughts. We are, I can see the island of misfit toys in the distance. We are on the island of lost curios, collectibles, collecting all things odd, weird. And this is Rob. I'm with Zach. Speaking of all things weird, He's how the hell are you? shuffling through something over there. And we're going to talk about the idea of collecting stuff today. You know, I mean, really? And I think, not to interrupt, but as, sure. as children, we all collected things, whether or not we knew it. Rocks, baseball cards, weird shit that was shaped like other stuff. One of the ones, in fact, rocks. I have these collections in the day. They would come. I don't know if you ever saw them. There were these boxes of them, and they would have different kinds of rocks. I saw them, but I don't think I ever had them. And one of them was, of course, iron pyrite. And I always thought I had gold. <laughs> but the sad no. part was they had these little booklets. They were little booklets. They had very minuscule rubies and emeralds in them. Yeah. And for a while, I would go around literally living by, as you can tell, this is going to be about collecting. And we're going to go all around for all kinds of collecting. Oh, yeah. And not for the paper route, though. Ugh. I don't know if they even do that anymore, so we're not going to collect for a paper route. We're going to talk about collecting in journal, amassing things, if that you want one, to call it that. That one physically hurt me. But I used to go down, we lived by a canal, and these were the days, of course, before you could get out of your yard and your parents wouldn't scream. And we would collect, We would look for fossils. Uh, did you ever find any? Yes, because by the canal. Like the, the trilobites and... Yeah, we used to find Indian arrowheads. Yeah, too. arrowheads. I remember... When I was in the Boy Scouts, we would go looking through the woods for arrowheads. And even back when I first went there, you could still do it at Gettysburg. You could kind of go around and, you know, not dig, but kind of look for musket balls or shells or things like that. But now they police that area very heavily. Oh, I remember Pickett's Charge there. I remember we did that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd find... collecting right there, we're going to jump all around. Some people are very, very big into Civil War memorabilia. Very much so. And and not just Civil War, but Militarania. Yeah. All that stuff. You know, pieces of ships that are no longer there. You're talking just Well, you have a first-hand account of that. I remember my friend Sammy. He may be on in the future talking about some things. But his granddaddy brought back, like, a Nazi helmet from World War II when he claimed. Is your grandpappy ever? Yeah, I... If I remember correctly, or maybe he was just bullshitting us because he was, um, he liked to do that. He said he had a a Nazi battle flag from somewhere that he was able to smuggle back in. He could have because he I stole well, I stole the flag when I was in Russia, and they can't get me now. Yeah, he, he brought ver- it back with he me. Ver- he very well could have, but I've n- nobody has ever seen it. Um, next time I see him, I'll pester him about the it. The story more. goes from Sammy about collecting the military memorabilia. His grandfather just saw the helmet there laying down and he took it. Yeah. Well, interesting. I mean, you were there when you were there, I suppose. Yeah, it was a little different. But interestingly, uh, me, Pappy, and Cousin Opie, who will be on eventually. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we were, a referee. We were, at the sh- we were at a shooting range in middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Just the three of us. And a couple guys came up to collect empty shell casings because they uh, recycled the brass in them. And he looked at my uh, grandfather. He said, well, sir, you were around that age. Were you in the war? I said, yeah, I was. And he said his son was a collector of, like, military dog tags. And he said his his most prized one was the round naval dog tag. I said, Pat, I said, you were in the Navy. He said, I said, were your dog tags round? He said, hold on, let me check. Opens up his damn wallet and pulls out his dog tag. They all have those. And I asked my Uncle Art the same thing. And yeah. He said, yes, they made them like this. Yeah, I still I, have them. And, of course, what did he add? I still have mine. Yeah, and he pulls out his dog tag. And I was like, why do you have that? He's like, they should never be without it. Mind you, this was six, seven years ago, maybe yeah. a little longer. So he's, he's a little out of the service. But, I but think that, you remember something like that. Yeah, but the military... Trinkets, I would call them, is one collection. I never personally got into it. No, I never did either. I, I just think it's a little weird, I would especially get, dog tags. I would get books. I always had this view, I'm not going to ever wear the uniform unless I served either. Yeah, no. I don't like people going around wearing this stuff. Well, I mean, one, if you impersonate an officer, it is a crime, and you can and yeah. should be 
prosecuted for it, but they say they changed the Stolen Valor Act, so now you can get away with it unless you're trying to bilk people out of something. Yeah. Which I think is bullshit. You know, you're have some class people. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. And Fred was a Razi from Fred and the Goose. Ah, Fred. So he could do it. But I remember one guy, this goes back to my idea about uniforms. There's this one guy during the first Gulf War, and he was at my college. I don't think I remember the guy's name. But he's going on, oh, I'm going to get over there and bomb them. We heard when they declared war. Probably shit him. He was crying. Yeah. Yeah. Literally in that. And I think there's an offense to people who serve if you're wearing the stuff. Yeah. But if you collect it, and I always... That's the thing. If you collect it, display it reverently and not, you know, like I say, dog tags I think is a little creepy. I mean, I do have some big books of battles. I like the, oh, like yeah, the 3D I... maps and everything. I yeah, like the strategy. but I don't have any of But the, the one thing I was going to ask in general for collecting before we go any further is how does it change? One of the things I always found was I always used to call the enjoyment of the hunt. Oh, absolutely. Whereas you go somewhere... Anywhere you're looking to try to find something, and now you go on the computer, it's just not the same anymore. No, it, while collecting has become worlds easier because you have access to literally every corner of the earth, it does. It's the thrill of the hunt when you find that little mom and pop hole in the wall store in some podunk ass town somewhere. And you walk in there that nobody may have been through this stuff in years, and you find something you've been looking for. It's a it's a rush. Even I admit, you go to some weird out of the way store, and there's a weird old time breakfast cereal or something. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna find. Like, but if you're, there was a it was something like that for me when I was growing up. There was this video store, and he would this guy would buy out closing video stores inventory. So you never knew what he was going to find. So I would find all kinds of like weird European horror VHS tapes and Abbott and Costello movies. And for me, there's a bookstore. It was in Spencerport. It was a used bookstore. And they always did the thing where they ripped the cover off. Oh, yeah. So you knew that. What did they say? They used to actually print that in books. If this book comes without a cover, the artist is not getting money for it. Yeah. And you would find they'd be, it would look like, clutter like a cluttered house you go in there they'd be stacked up and every now and then you would just find i found one of my best books i ever found at one of these things wc fields w C fields president book he wrote a book about running for president in the 1930s good lord and they had it there um no but but that was the thing yeah and even even up till recent um the best buy at um, marketplace. Well, marketplace I remember Mall. the store back in the day. We would. This was not too long ago. We you never knew what you would find, right. in the, the, and maybe you careful what you wish for a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. But you would go in there and peruse like the weird movies, and you would find some very interesting gems. And, but now it's almost gotten to the point where there's no possible store left that you can go like, and hunt through. It's like the idea of looking at an accident and you can't look away. Sometimes you see a title. You know you're going to be hurting yeah. for a couple hours, but you see the title and yeah. enter Zombie King. Yeah, there was that one. Could you explain it a little? No. No, I couldn't. It's Jim the Anvil Night Art, did it? Yeah, may he rest in peace. But there's no way to possibly explain it other than Mexican wrestling zombies. There. And the idea there, If too, that hasn't sold you nothing And well. I found one called Tokyo Zombie the same way. Oh, yeah. We were, that was at Borders before that. They're going out on. of business. I think you got Kill Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or something. Or, something. I got Killer Tomatoes take pairs with John Aston. Yeah, you did. But nah. that was the cool thing. There used to be a video shop... Down, I, I can't even remember where it was. This is back in the good old days of beta and VHS. And I was looking for different things. One of the things I was looking for was Pink Floyd's The Final Cut DVD, which I'd seen, but you couldn't find it. And Ray Davies' Return to Waterloo. And I'd heard of it and looked around for it. And go there, and I think they tried to look for it, but then they had other obscure stuff. But that was the idea. You're always hunting for it. I would have friends who would call me. Ah, did you get a lead on this? Oh, well, that's the thing. And I, you would give your name and phone number to the people at the store. Like, look, if you guys get a copy of whatever I'm looking for, you know, be it a comic book, a movie, a record, a CD, whatever, like, please call me and hold it for a day and I will come down and get it. But nowadays you just go on the Internet and 
The other thing, five though, five minutes is, later, it's, I have it's to ordered. Say, and I don't think any collecting's really rational. I don't know what no, it is. There's no rationale behind it other than I like. I it. think I'm a little OCD or CDO. CDO, it it's an be, alphabetical order. Where I get something, I have to keep getting it. Oh, the completionist in yeah, you? Yeah, I do that a little bit. Well, not completion, but I get into something, and I start going into it. And one thing I want to say off the bat is if you're ever going to collect anything, do it because it interests you and it's fun. Don't think you're going to be a millionaire. Well, that's it is. You see a lot of these people, they do it to try to get money. I'll tell you a story of getting my... Please do. My Tony from Empire Comics, you know, God rest his soul. Yeah. How many years... So we always used to go in there, and you'd have people come in here, and it would always be funny. They'd come up with some comic thinking they're going to buy a house with Yeah. It. And he'd give them a dollar. Well, this is worth a dollar. And I remember we were talking about it one day, and he, asked, he said, you can answer this question if you'd like. How much is a comic worth? Whatever somebody's willing to pay exactly. for Exactly. And that's the thing. The, and the problem with it, like he said to me one time, he, he looks at me and he said, I've been doing this for how many years? How come I'm not retired on a yacht if these are worth so exactly. much Exactly. That's the thing. There's those very rare comics that everybody, you know, if you talk to anybody of that age, they always seem to have had one that their mom threw away when they went to Stan college. Stan Lee said that always. And I heard that from my mother, too, and I'll never know if it was true or not, that she had all the first Batman, Yeah, Superman, all the first Batman. they got checked. Because what people used to do with these comics, they would throw them out. Yeah. A lot of magazines, too. You know, after they, what's the term for, oh, read them. Yes. And not, like, just instantly put them into their little Mylar bags. I mean, that was the thing now where being, we talk comics a lot on here, but for comics of, like, famous monsters, Fangoria, all these. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, the difference is I would get these, I would read them. Yeah. Read them again. Hopefully read them again. Read them again. Read them until they fall apart, basically. Whereas then collector person came in, grab them. Gloves, Mylar bag, never read them, try to get as much as they can for them. Yeah, and they never could get much for them because there's a lot of people out there like him. Well, there was a collector's glut, especially for comics in the 1990s. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing it. Like the people that would come in and buy every single issue of a number one comic. Like, oh, I'm going to retire on this. No, you're not. Gen 13. You remember Gen 13? It was a Wildstorm book. Vaguely. One time they did 13 covers. You had people had to get... Stephen King said at one time about this, he said that if you have your my first edition or my story's written on the back of a shopping bag, it's the same story. Right. And how do you feel about books like that for collecting? I mean, what, like first editions versus anything else? Well, anything, like just in books in general. Oh, well, books, I have a shitload, as do you. I like, if a book is old, if a book is in a different language and interests me, if a book is pretty, like those uh, Barnes & Noble leather-bound books, those are neat. Yeah. I like those. I'll collect them. But other books, no, I'll just buy them One and read them. One thing I found, old doesn't mean expensive. No. I used to go around, especially when I was younger, my dad and I would go around. They'd have farmhouses out here where they'd have sales. Oh, yeah. I found a book from the American Revolution. Yeah. I think I got it for 50 cents. Right, exactly. It, so, yeah, old doesn't necessarily mean expensive, but old does mean it gives it a cool factor. Yeah, I think me. it is. For me, it does because I love history. Yeah. And first-hand accounts are really awesome. Oh, yeah. And that's those are the books that I'll collect, other than the, my autograph books, obviously. Yeah. But, I, I, I mean, books, if they're really nice, like I say, I have a bunch of those leather-bound editions with the gilded edges, which really goddamn hurt if you cut yourself on them. <laughs> Th- those are the ones that don't heal. You know, you'll have that for a year. God, don't get a copy of the Razor's Edge like that. Oh, for the love of God! But those ones, yeah, I like the I like the way they look, like the Alice in Wonderland, or um, yeah, it was Lewis Carroll's complete yeah. Alice stories. It's bright pink. Not only that, but the illustrations from them are oh incredible. god, they're fantastic. They're remarkable. How they do them with the old Oz books. Yeah, and literally, you can get the first Oz books out of the library. Yeah, and see the description. But that's the thing. If you go in a pattern like that, like say you're a completist for an author, mm. which is kind of fun though. Imagine doing that for Isaac Asimov. You'd need a you'd need a separate room in your house just for his because what did he say at some point that he had written? Was it several thousand? He said, volumes? "My as long as I can keep I'll stay alive. I wish I could." Yeah. And I guess he said he never. What he did was he wrote simply. Tried to write just on. He wrote on a typewriter. Yeah. Did all his own writing, but he wrote. 
A lot. A lot. I don't know that how much, That would be something, if you ever wanted a challenge, try getting every one of those. I don't think you could. But that's part now still, for in terms of books, which I kind of find neat for collecting, which is kind of fun because you still get that thrill, is there are art-of-print things you still can't find. Yeah. The, every now and then, you do run across a book, even with the power of the internet, you're just not going to find it. And if you do find it, it's going to be so outrageously priced. Uh, for me... I don't know. I haven't checked in a while, but the last time I looked for, we mentioned it a while ago, the copy of uh, Fatso, yeah. Art Donovan's biography. It's been out of print since, I think, the late 80s. The last time I saw it, they had like two copies, and the, the bare minimum copy was like $375 There's or something. There's another one like that. Tony Levin wrote a book, and Tony Levin should be familiar to Rochester. He's in the Hall of Fame here for music. He's played on over 500 items. He's played with just about name it. Yeah, basically, if you name it, he's probably played with them. And he's incredible. Incredible, I have to say, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met, too. Yeah, you got him but to sign be- a picture for But me. because of that, I screwed up. I saw a show of his. Now, this is Tony Levin. He does, it's January in Rochester. It's upstate New York. It's horrible. Yeah. He lives around Woodstock. He did a benefit at a church in Penfield. He drove here. He drove from Woodstock to Penfield? And. Jesus January. Christ, in January. Jesus and Christ. he played, and afterwards he always says, whatever you want, I'll talk to you, sign anything. He's that kind of guy. And ask him about his barbershop quartet and have him tell you the Peter Gabriel stories. And I got him, I got to tell him my Peter Gabriel story. And he thought it was really funny, which is the lad. But anyways, I started talking with him, and I wanted to get a copy of his book. Yeah. So I forgot, because I started talking to him. Yeah, so I figured... <clears throat> I go online then later to get a copy of it. Yeah. It's like $200 now because there was not many in print. Right. And his are all, you have to remember that from authors, you can't just go to an author and say, hey, can I buy a copy of your book? Right, because a, lot of, them, a lot of them don't have it. How many times have we have you done that? And they're like, I don't have any copies of my book. Joe Lansdale, it's the same thing. Whereas if you look hard enough, I finally found a copy of his electric gumbo, which he said was, and I remember when it came out and I, it's one of those I sat around. I'll get it eventually. Yeah. Gone. Well, actually, on that, is there any white whale books? That's going to be a theme for well, this Moby episode. Well, Moby Dick, obviously. But... Uh, but no, the books that you have been hunting for and never been able to find and really want. And for each thing we talk about, we're going to do that. Is there any white... What's your white whale book? I still think I want that Tony Levin book because I think it would be very interesting. But have you have one? Honestly, no. I can't think of one that I... I really, really deeply desire yet. I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah. But as of right now, I just haven't run across it because of the damn internet. You know, and maybe a way, it's strange to say, but maybe that's good in a way sometimes, that you just can't just flick of a finger and find all this stuff. Yeah. So it is nice to know that even though the internet is there, there's still a lot of things you're not going to be able to easily buy with a couple clicks of a button. Yeah, records. Oh, yeah, record now, If you want to get into how's your record collecting going? It's coming along. I've switched now. I've been getting, um, but I do have to say records is one of those things where there's still those stores where you can go down and dig and you're not going to know what you're going to find. What's the appeal of vinyl, though? Because still, there's a lot of people who like them. Uh, the sound quality is just far superior. I know Neil Young says that. Neil Young always says no CDs, no yeah. devices. Well, there's There's a catch to that. The sound quality is superior. Sometimes the the colored vinyls don't have as good a sound quality. There's also something about this where I've heard like some of the older records, like there are holy grails of records that you find out that that they're very very limited. Yeah. But they get cracked really easy because the way they put them out on the acetate. Oh yeah, they they don't survive. But again, everybody and I I've seen this with a lot of people going back to the comic books. Be like, oh, I'm gonna have. A, you know, buy a house with this. When you get people that ha- break out their old 70s record collection, oh, I've got all this Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. It's got to be worth a fortune. No. I have seen this. I have no, seen because, this. because, don't forget, back in the day, if a record sold 75 million copies, it was literally 75 million copies of a record. Well, this because the that's idea. all they had. Jumping around a little, it's the Franklin Stubbs idea I heard. Okay, Franklin Stubbs is a journeyman player... From the Dodgers, played a cup of coffee in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So the idea is, okay, for autographs, so say Shaquille O'Neal, there's tons of them out there, yeah. right? But now Franklin Stubbs, there aren't as many. 
but you're going to pay a lot for a Franklin Stubbs autograph. Yeah, no. But I have the, the quintessential story. I won't mention where it happened, but I'm hanging out hanging out at one of my record shops where I had all my friends. Yeah. And you see people come in. This guy comes in, all grins and everything. Oh, I'm going to... He's got all these Papa John Creech albums. Yeah. Who the hell is Papa John Creech? I I've don't never, even know. I, I was waiting for a punchline. I've never heard no, of it. No, he's for real. It's oh, real. It's okay. real. He goes on, basically gets told they're worthless, like well, a dollar. Right. And that's the thing. Even if you have some really impressive albums, like just your generic runs of like even any of the Beatles albums, they're not worth anything because they made so many of them. Well, I ask, where if we ever a Gothic Toad meet, we don't know Gothic Toad. They could be yeah. in Indonesia. We don't. They're very reclusive because of the popularity still. But Rob, him, the drummer. He's a massive collector, and he yeah, we'll would talk to him. literally, I could tell one story about collecting. We met Ingve Malmsteen at House of Guitars, and he, Rob brought him an album. Ingve looks at it, takes, turns it over, turns it over, looks at it. It was a rare German copy. He didn't even know about it. Right. And it was not a bootleg, whereas Ian McLaughlin, who, God rest his soul, I sort of became friends with Ian McLaughlin. He was with the small faces, the faces. Great guy. Just marvelous, and it was one of those things where I'll name drop because I met him up here. He lives in he lived in Texas, mm. and he just became and hearing all the old stories from him. But anyways, to go for what we're talking about, I had him sign a CD. He looks at first. He goes, "What's your name?" Oh, Rob. I had an agent named Rob. He ripped me off. It's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. So he say so looks at my CD. Looks at it. Looks at it. It's a German CD. The small faces, and we're talking about Ichiku Park. He's looking at it. He goes, this is a bootleg. And he goes, I'll sign it anyways. Well, that, you know, and that, because there's so much. And like I say, but nowadays when a modern album comes out, they'll put 2,000 of them on vinyl. Those vinyls are worth money because there's 2,000 of them. You have to remember, records don't sell as well anymore. Where I read a bio of Paul Simon recently, and they said one of his recent albums was a big hit. It sold 300,000 copies. Yeah, but how many copies did it actually sell as opposed to downloads? But that's even that. That's how many copies. 300,000 were before something like Thriller would be 25 million. Oh, yeah, you're looking millions and millions and millions of copies of a record. And the thing is, you go on like Record Store Day, which is a lot of fun. It's like a little holiday. It, it, it's a it, little... Now, for my taste, it it's can a little be, much now. It can be, but people are starting to ruin it. And may, and you can tell you don't even know who the tool was, but didn't you have like some character when you went out like trying to job in front of you for stuff and everything? Yeah, that didn't, that didn't last long. But like that, they just get it... and. Oh, it's a picture disc. Doesn't mean it's going to be worth it. Well, that's the thing. I pass on a lot of... I like the picture discs, but I pass on a lot of them because the music sucks. But one of the ones for me, I got early on was I... You might have guessed from previous podcasts I'm a huge Beatles fan. Not the Japanese one of the dung Beatles. Oh, weren't those the ones that ate uh, the the Beatles tree? Possibly. I think I actually think it was. Um, didn't they plant a tree for George Harrison? People or something? collect insects, you know. We talk about collecting, yeah. butterfly collecting. Yeah, I used to go. Who who out there? Show of hands. Okay, you, 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 over on the island of Misfit Toys. You, how many of you went around with the net to get butterflies when you were a kid? I didn't. Well, I went around with a mayonnaise jar to connect collect fireflies. I would go around with the. I used to also go and have my little terrarium. I'd go by the canal. And collect insects. I got a praying mantis one year. So that's cool. I've never actually seen one in the wild. They're around because you would go down in the weeds there and they'd be all around. So I would collect bugs and insects. They have a little terrarium. I never did that. Um, that's interesting, though. I see a lot of weird ones. There's some good ones I would want. I see a couple stick insects. On yes. My, on the, the Audience participation. Anybody wants to shoot a slide, too? The weirdest thing you ever heard being collected. Tell I was us. just going to ask you. What, what would you say? Oh, I know people. I have well, I don't know them personally, but I've heard of them, like people that collect uh, peanuts in the shape of celebrities' faces. Okay, that's one. I've heard cans of cheese whiz. That's weird. Well, who doesn't like cheese whiz? Right, but how do you collect cans of cheese whiz? I, suppose you just I keep, mean, there's you know, one of the things out there is Superman fans are crazy in some ways. Yes. They are. They're very devoted. And I'm not a big fan of the show, but the stuff like with Seinfeld. Yeah. The Superman, they are. So I have, I admit, I have one at home. I have a jar of Superman peanut butter sitting there. 
Really, I don't. Just because. But I mean, how do you collect? I'm I'm seriously thinking, how do you collect cans of cheese whiz because they're like from different eras or? You know what? It's probably. It's like, like oh, this this cheese whiz I bought at the the Kroger's in. Grinnell, Iowa. Weird it looks analogy. exactly like Weird the one analogy. There. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Because my dad, you know what my dad collected? Hess yeah. trucks. See, that, especially up here, I know a lot of non-Rochesterians won't understand the appeal of the Hess truck. Oh, I didn't know that was just, like, around here. I thought that was, like, nationwide. I didn't even know I, that. I've never really heard of okay, it. Okay, you I should got... know that from Pittsburgh. They ain't yeah. there? No. I'd never heard of it until I got here. Oh, I mean, so. Well. I mean, maybe maybe it's like, because we didn't have Hess stations. Oh, okay. We so, don't either anymore. <laughs> well, we don't either anymore, but we didn't back back when I was growing up in Pittsburgh. We didn't have Hess stations, therefore no Hess trucks. But literally every year, the Hess trucks are back, and they would be tankards. They would be big trucks. Oh, They'd yeah. be little cars. I, mean, I've seen, I see the commercials for them starting, what, Thanksgiving. The Hess truck is back. The Hess truck is back. But I never understood. And I will the... ask you, and it... We might not be the best podcast. We might not be the worst podcast. Hopefully we're what not. What other podcasts? Well, I know worse ones. But what other podcasts will you hear anybody comparing cheese whiz to Hess trucks? But I, I have a many. point to this. Here's the method to the madness. Madness to the method. Cheese whiz through the years. It's not going to change. It's still going to taste the might same. might be a different, well, it's goo, but imagine like the cans and well, the Well, that's, that's what I was and thinking. I can like, picture that person out there. With a bookshelf, yeah, like with cans of cheese, like nineteen fifty six cheese whiz, nineteen fifty seven. I can see that, and that's is and that's a, a mark. Because on me. I will go back to one that I won't do because I would be terrified of. But we've touched on this on when we were on the road. Dolls. Yeah, no, porcelain dolls are just terrifying. But people collect dolls. Yes, they do, and I don't like those people. And they're, a lot of dolls. They're creepy bastards. But you know how the teddy bear originated. The idea was that I guess that. Teddy Roosevelt went hunting. I was going to say, was that the story? I've heard a couple stories, and this one's one of the... And they had, like, a bear, and they tied him to a tree for him. Yeah. And they called him a teddy bear. So, actually, original teddy bears are very pricey. Yeah. But, again, for me, why not get the knockoff, unless you're really... Unless you're that hard up But, in terms of, like, for records, from the first ones, I thought I was a big Beatles fan, as I'm saying. Going from Hestrucks to Cheese Whiz to Beatles and back again. Oh, I see the path. I don't know what's I got wrong with you. The, my first Beatles albums I got were the greatest hits albums. If you've ever seen these, they came, there was a red one and a blue one. I was going to say, wasn't those the, the two dual discs? And they show at the beginning, the first one they show them as they look as the Fab Four, and you look on the back, <laughs> and they're all the dudes with the hippies and the beards. Yeah. Second one, that's the front, that's the back. Yeah. But the first print, they were red discs and blue discs. Yeah. Now, I have the regular discs on the red one, but I do have the blue discs. That was my first color record. Right. My second was Watts Animal Fuck Like a Beast, which is a pig. It's real. I believe you. It's but... a pig. It's shaped like a pig. But for you, what did you like? What are your really treasured ones you have so far? Oh, uh, well, the first one I bought when I started collecting was a glow-in-the-dark pink Bongzilla record. It's a thing. It's a thing. And you don't want a high Godzilla. No. No, you don't. Uh, I have some interesting ones. I see Mothra. I have a copy, and Op- uh, Cousin Opie has been, uh, has still has a burning hatred of me for this one. You remember the movie Rad? Yeah. The BMX movie? Yeah. I have an import original pressing of the soundtrack. What the hell's on that? <laughs> oh, I think well, the big one is Send Me an Angel. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm not going to sing you know, it because actually... copyright strike, but he only has the reprint. I managed to get an original pressing, and he, I think, had voiced, at one time, voiced murdering me for Speaking it. Speaking of soundtracks, I've actually, I've heard this, that soundtracks, in terms of collecting, a bit difficult because I guess they have a very, very limited time they're out. So, literally, if you don't get them with some of them, they're that, gone. Yeah, and that and um, that's what I've been into lately is hitting up a specific record store. I'm not going to tell which one because I don't want they people They may be there. on here soon. You never know. I know most yeah. of them. So. But one of the things... Is, is getting... Because I got, like, the summer school soundtrack. I've got and, uh, one for you. I've never, I've never seen the movie. I'm sure I'm surprised we haven't with our taste. But the soundtrack's really pricey because it has a lot of interesting bands on. Mike Murray has played it on his show, Count Mike. Up the Academy, the Mad Movie. It's the first movie Mad Magazine made. Never seen it. I've never seen it. You can get this. If you want to hear the songs, just go on YouTube. Yeah. But you can't find the album anywhere. 
Well, and that's another thing with soundtracks especially. You have to get the rights for every individual song before you put it on a soundtrack. That's why I guess like Rushmore, if you get the soundtrack, the Stone song is missing yeah. because the, somehow they don't have enough money right. now. And that's why... Um, WKRP in Cincinnati was not out of for years because they couldn't get their rights. Well, and that's why Real Genius soundtrack has never come to existence. Oh, it hasn't? It, there, as far as I know, there has never been a Real Genius soundtrack because you can't. they haven't been able to secure the rights for everything. And I think a case for both of us, if we go in, like if we're looking for records, we don't go in going, well, I'm going to buy my first island with this one. No. Dream on. I like... The, I look in and go, wow, this is cool. Like, I like the look of some of them. Actually, for Christmas... Super Suckers, too. The green one. Yeah. Devil's Food. Devil's Food. That was a good one. But you have a Michael Berryman, don't you? Yeah, I have the... I didn't call him... No, I called him Michael Berryman, not Michael Berryman. I think it's half tan, half glow in the dark. It's a split. It's the Hills Have Eyes soundtrack, the original one from the 70s, with a big picture of Michael Berryman on there. It's beautiful. That's why you got it, right? Yeah. I got it because it looked cool. It was half glow in the and dark. And we have to do a little shout out there to our pals at Record Archive too, because they they do. The one person does like some picture discs there, doesn't he? Well, um, no, he does a the sound. He does weird soundtracks. The first one he did, I got a copy of it. Was Surf Nazis Must Die soundtrack, and it was blue with red drips, like it was blood in the water. Then he did the soundtrack for Slime City, which, uh, unfortunately, I think I missed the color discs of it. I just got the black vinyl. Fortunately, you haven't seen the movie, have you? Oh, I have. When we do those, you're going to be suffering, I'm sorry. And I do have the copies of uh, Leona Quigley's album. Oh, yes. This Chainsaw's Made for Cutting. I've actually found another movie she was in, too, recently. I can't remember what it was, so she's not just in Return of the No, she's, she was a scream queen. She was in a lot of things. I just can't think of anything right now well that's always but one of the things like with records like that i used to love to go to the like one record shop which was like a mess and i would find really cool stuff but now what do i i admit i do it myself too is i just go online well you know the best place to find weird records flea markets yes people don't know oh i know my dear friend pauline and i would hit the flea markets every now and then and that's the thing. If you want to collect and find weird stuff, it was like Sundays. We would go out to flea markets. Yeah, like I remember I went to this big-ass flea market in Pennsylvania, and I got these weird picture discs of, like, Popeye and Casper kids' nursery rhymes, like a quarter apiece, just because they were old 1960s and 70s picture discs. Yes. I've never played them. I don't intend to play them. They're just weird looking. And you can get, if you want to say you want to collect weirdness, I literally went by a one of these like flea market things. Compare this. They had a giant bowling pin and an old Ottawa Senators jersey. Uh, that's an odd combination. Now, I don't know what, if anybody could do the analogy and say. I got nothing. Why, this is that. I mean, why what? is that? No, going? here's what. Was there anything you got into collecting because somebody in your family was into collecting it and kind of spread the love to you? Actually, for a little while, trains, because my dad used to do toy trains and everything. Oh, okay. So I got yeah, to, like and, the, the and I would like to trains. go back. Yeah, and I really would like to go back. And But the other one, too, is my mother with comic books. That's how we keep. That's where I, I think a lot of people, like my friend Mike, if he can ever get off work and on here, why does he collect? Because his dad does. Right. So that was the first. But trains, when I was a kid, I really would like to go back into doing that. Well, for me, it was my grandfather, not the one that was on the podcast, the one that uh, has that passed away in 96. He was um, a coin collector, a numismatist. Oh, that was actually another one. We, yeah. My parents were into that, so we were into them, too. And he spread the love to me, and the one thing that we always were going to do was complete those Whitman coin folders, yeah. you know, the blue trifold ones, of the Franklin half dollars. And then some unscrupulous bastard, and when I find you, well, probably, who knows, whatever happened to you, Swiped the entire coin collection back in the early 2000s because I was up I was up here and couldn't uh, couldn't do anything about it and that kind of took away my love for it for a while. To coin a phrase, that sucks. Yeah, and it took away the love for it because it wasn't so much what was stolen; it was the fact that it was given to me by my late grandfather, by my late grandmother. All these coins that you know. It, basically irreplaceable. I, I have a story like that. I was in Empire Comics one day and this woman comes in talks to Tony 
Yeah. Talks to Tony that I guess her brother was a big collector of Flash comics. And it meant a lot because their grandfather passed it to him. Right. When you get that some, sentimental thing. Some super villain beyond galore stole them. Yeah. It's it's you know what it is? It's shitty. And again, Good luck, asshole, if you thought you were going to get money, because they're not really worth much. But the value of them. Right. And that's the thing, like, with my coin collection. He probably took it to a pawn shop, got a couple hundred bucks just for... Or not even maybe a couple hundred bucks. Probably got 80, 90 bucks. Probably took him to a pawn shop. Yeah, that's what I mean, because there was nothing in there that would raise a red flag of, hey, this is probably stolen. It was just a bunch of weird shit. It happened to both of us. A lot of my magazines got wasted when my basement flooded yeah there's always and for that. me it was more the memory of it where i used to remember as a kid every with something to do with my dad every sunday we would go down to worldwide news which was when you were a kid this place was just incredible they would uh, you mentioned literally the news everything before. and i remember because that's what i remember them from yeah. you know that's what i really remember and literally i would look at a book like a famous monsters and it would bring back a memory well, it's always, and it's, there's so much that's tied to the memories, and that's really what I think. You wonder, is that what collecting is all about? It's to hold on to a memory of something, or... Or just fun sometimes. Yeah, like, like, one of the things I, I get now every year, this is sort of infamously well-known, every year I get a couple of Christmas albums. And this year I got Shatner Kloss, and I got Rob Halford's Christmas album. Oh, I yes. ain't saying they're good. And I actually got the Isotopes Christmas album because they gave them out to me and everything, and they're cool. And maybe we'll play a track from them next year. I didn't get that in time for... Yeah, we didn't have it in time. The Isotopes are the Isotopes, so they gave them off later because they're the Isotopes. Right. You'll hear them when they're on there. But I get that every year, and it's just one of those goofy things where I literally am out, oh, the old 97s did one. I literally took a picture of it, sent it to Moondog Dave, and he got it the same day. Yeah, like... I don't. I know people that um, are magnet collectors. Yeah. Like if they go somewhere, they'll get yeah. a magnet from there. I was never. Were you ever one that would get something from when you were traveling? Not really. You know what I'm, I'm finding? I'm getting into you now. I think as I lost weight and I need new clothes, I'm really getting into snagging t-shirts. Oh, uh, like the Batavia Muck Dogs. Yeah. T-shirts. And all that. But one of our go-aheads, Bob and Mitzi, you go to. I may know their daughter. I don't know, but. They tended up, I think we found Bob at Home Depot, and we just asked him, hey, you want to go see Rift Tracks? His wife collects shirts. Like, yeah. she saw my Jell-O Museum shirt. You have to get it. I have a Railroad Museum shirt. Yeah, like, yeah. do you do I that? Mean, if you go someplace, one of those kind of places, you snag a shirt? It may, If not necessarily a shirt, I'll get something like a shot glass. I was I collected shot glasses for a while, so I have the Jell-O Museum shot glass. Um, do you do Jell-O shots with it? No, because that, I'm not in college anymore. You know, I mainly just display them because some of them look really pretty. I think the Goose collects pipes. Yeah, I mean, stuff like, I don't have the money to collect shit like that. No, the Goose is, well, he just has some, he's the Goose. But here's one for you. Speaking of, like, the money and the investment of money in there for autograph or for collection autographs, we've been doing them through the mail. I would say, see, one of the things, I started doing this a little bit just because, I got sick of getting bills in the mail. Sometimes yeah. you just go, okay, I really don't subscribe to many magazines anymore. I have some. But this blows. I'm getting the mail. All I get is bills. How about having some, you looking forward to getting something in the right. mail? Now, every day when I hear the mail truck go by, it's like, ooh, did I get anything in the Especially mail? Especially see if it got stolen, which happens. Oh, which is- but so we started just writing to people. Well, and the thing is, you, you look at some of these, like the, the one that leaps into my mind, is the E.O. Wilson thing. E.O. Yeah. Wilson, for those that don't know, I would say is the world's leading expert on what ants and ant yeah, behavior. And bear in mind, we will do some more pedantic podcasts, if I can remember what the word means, about stuff like this down the line. But he is just a fascinating individual, very good writer, and a, like I said, the leading authority on ants. You look at the websites, and his signed books by him are going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. We wrote to him, sent him a couple of, sent him a book plate and a couple of stamps to and return And anybody it. out there, if you do that, a lot of them like you to send book plates because they're easier to handle. Yeah. Tom it, Baker, for example, he said, can't you just send a book plate because it's just, Isaac Asimov used to say he had to haul the books up to his house, 
the postage, everything else you have to put. Send a book plate. Yeah, it because it fits in a letter a, a letter envelope. It costs one stamp. Yep. You know your standard stamp, and if it gets lost in the mail. It's a book play. But it's the not thing the end is, the it's the fun of it because sometimes you get responses that are. But one time, like, you got one back from Raymond Barry. This bear is saying, it's, "Oh yeah, it's really funny." I don't know if I've ever touched on it before, but uh, Raymond Barry is a Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Baltimore Colts. Back in the day, I wrote to him, sent him a picture. He sends back a. He signs my picture. Includes. Another signed picture, a photocopy of a newspaper article when he was the co- head coach for the New England Patriots. They made the Super Bowl. Yeah, that he signed, um, and I guess he found religion, so his testimonial card, but he signed. <coughs> <coughs> Pardon me. And then there was a letter, or there was an envelope that had a stamp on it, and it was addressed to him. And I figured, oh, you know, he wants a, a donation to some charity or something and I was more than willing to do it for Yeah, people are scum who if they do this and then they get it they don't yeah. send a donation. But it turns out there was a letter in there and it said, you know, he is a collector of information about the origins of people's last names. And he had never seen anything remotely like my last name. So he wrote me a letter explaining what he was doing, why he was doing it and asked for the origin of my last name. And if I would please send it back to him. So I filled it out and I sent it back to him, told him, hoped it, hoped it helped with whatever he was doing. I just thought that was really and fascinating. The other part about That's a weird collection, about For autographs, too, is, I guess it's the historians in us, we end up researching people and finding out these really cool stories. Did anybody tell me who Colt 45 Malt Liquor is named after? Yeah, or who invented the Nerf football. Yeah. We know. Yes. Because they sign things for us. Yes. And it's amazing because I never knew this stuff. Yeah. Even like I have Canadian football ones. You hear about these Canadian football players. Yeah. Or, well, and then you never, and the, here's the best part about collecting the autographs is you never know if you catch somebody on the right day who's going to sign. Yes. Like, for example, my Mel Brooks one. I guess yeah. I caught him on a good day. And now he no longer does because he's old. He do, he's because of his Gene age. Gene Wilder as well. He, well, he's passed away, but. I think I got him right before he stopped signing because of his health. But I guess, you know, you hit the right note. Um, Steph Curry. The other one, too, Wayne is Gretzky. it's really neat. Some people send, like Bill Carpenter, who is Brigadier, what is he? Uh, three stars, so that's Lieutenant General, I believe. They will send you, there's a note on a note paper with the stars. Yeah, he, he's a college football Hall of Famer from uh, West Point. Yeah. Didn't have much of a, did he have much of an NFL career? I don't, I don't remember, so. but he's college football Hall of Famer, and he he wrote me a very nice letter on his three star general letterhead, yeah. which you don't just go to the to the store and get. I mean, yeah. you're issued that from the government. And I think sometimes maybe people are just looking for, and this is one of the criticisms of Comic Cons now, is they just rip off fans and they have guests there nobody cares about, and they gouge them for this stuff that. People are looking for a little bit of a connection like that. Yeah. Just a little bit. Or somebody who's like a veteran like that. It's neat to say to write to them and just thank them for what they did. Right. In addition to anything they did athletically or, you know, of note, that just know that they were there, that they were willing to give up their lives for for us. And, and, and the one thing I always, you know, we've always talked about it is you never lie in these letters no. just to try to get something. It's like, look, if I... If I'm writing to a baseball player, I never saw the guy play. I fly like, tell him, like, look, I never saw you play. You ever do it? I have a guy I wrote to because he played on a lot of these, like, hockey players because they played international. Yeah. And I'm not going to say, oh, you were my favorite player. When yeah. the hell did I see you? Or one you were pitcher. my favorite player in the, the SM Liga series from 19, you know, 2000 to 2003. Or one pitcher whose career record was 0-4, but he was a very big college pitcher. Yeah. But I had one, Jack McCartan, who... Explain to me how the U.S. hockey team could win the gold medal in 1960. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. How, at the time, the way hockey was, it was Canada, it was Russia. Canada, the Soviet Union. You wouldn't and think of any of America, how they did it. Yeah. But and they the did. Nordic he was countries. the goalie. Yeah. Which you told me that. I got to Which is just amazing, though. But 
No, you don't lie. I mean, what are you going to say? Well, I've seen you in the... Yeah. I'm a huge, huge double minor fan. Yeah, or like, you know, a guy whose career comes to a close 10 years before I was born. Oh, you were my favorite player growing up. I wasn't even but alive. But there's a fun part about it, too. We were at a Muck Dogs game, and ah, we got a bunch yeah, of we players... And one guy looks like a left-handed Aaron Judge. He's a oh, mountain of a man. Oh, God, yeah. And he's on the Marlins prospect list. And the cool thing is he signed the program. We talked to him. The manager played for the Mets for years, Mike Phillips. Yeah, Mike Phillips. He had 100 Phillips. home runs. Yeah. and They um, are very nice people. And the manager from the other team, Jim Pankovich. And I defy you. Go to any major league game and have a player hand you a bag of sunflower seeds. That's right. I forgot that guy just walked by and tossed you a bag of sunflower seeds. But the thing seeds. about it is... What's neat is we have the player's name. He's on the watch watch list. I want to follow his career. Yeah. One day it would be really neat to say when he's up there, hey. It's like I remember talking to this guy at this little tiny field at Dwyer Stadium in the middle of Batavia, New York, that I shot the breeze with this guy for a couple minutes before they went and played. Who the hell were they playing? The Cleveland one. Oh, the Lehigh. The Lehigh Valley Scrappers. Yeah, the Lehigh Valley Scrappers. Or no, the Mahoning Valley Scrappers. Yes. Forgive us on the names. Yeah. They changed so much. But well, and on that. I want to actually pull one out for collecting. I thought of this. Don't worry. I'm not pulling anything out. Oh, thank God. I think this says it all about collecting and like sort of the the meaning to it. I mean, I had a doll myself my grandmother gave me when she was in the hospital. But I have one. This story, you heard it before if you listen. But this to me defines collecting when I, where it can mean to somebody. I'll just say the word. You could even talk about it then if you want to. Monty. Ah, Monty. Um, I guess let's do the quick overview of Monty. Uh, we met not only Colin Baker, but also Terry Malloy, who was Davros in Doctor Who for a time. And he carried around this teddy bear by the name of To Monty. show you the importance, the Daleks guarded it. Yeah, the Daleks guarded it. He I, went off to lunch. He had to come back and get him. Yeah, he asked me to sit and watch his table, and he walked Guard away. Got his teddy bear. He walked away and left the teddy bear, and I was like, that's that's odd. And then he came back, oh, I almost forgot Monty. Like, I don't know what I was going to say, but he, what was the story he told us? He'd had this teddy bear since he was a child. Yeah, it burned or something. It he got repaired. It, it got like destroyed or partially destroyed, and he paid, from what I I understand, a not insignificant sum of money because it's a very old, and you know high quality teddy bear, and he paid Probably to have from it from some British. I wouldn't know, but probably, I, I'm I think sure it was some... actually from like mainland Europe, like a very yeah. hardcore. I don't know. I think he wrote about it in his yeah. book. But he paid all this money to have it restored to what it was when he was a child. And now he, because right after he left the con here, there's a picture on his Twitter oh, yeah, of, see these. of him and Monty on the Maid of the Mist at Niagara Falls. And there's Monty wrapped With up. his little raincoat at the Maid of the Mist. So it is a meaning to people. Yeah. It does. And there's stuff you can look back and you could just tell stories. I, I think I like the idea that behind these things are stories. I always Absolutely. enjoy that. But speaking of wrapping up. Let's put a bow on this one for the time being. We'll come back to it because there's a lot more stuff to collect. And trust me, I could probably in between these episodes, I'll see what other weird-ass things have been collected by people or by us. Oh, we will. I'll Actually, I'll end with a quick story and we'll have a little ditty. So I walk into Empire Comics one day. This really the happened. The bartender says, why the long face? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, so you ruined it. I, so I walk into Empire Comics one day. I go by the counter. What the hell is that? It's Chekhov. Oh, that's right. You told me this story. It's George. It's Walter Walter Koenig. Koenig. But I'm calling Chekhov. Man, yeah. I, what the? No. It's like somebody spiked my Gatorade. Yeah, no. it's like no. It turned out. I don't know if anybody remembers. This. Remember the Pogs? Like the little. They were like these little circular. Yeah, little the things. cardboard things. Yeah, he collected them. He was in town to do a speech at the college or something. He popped into Empire Comics looking for Pogs. And he asked Tony if he could run the register. And Tony said, Tony's responsible for that. If you break it, I think you can afford it. Yeah. So I go back to this Chekhov. And what do I say like a dumbass? I say, Chekhov. And I talked about Bester from B5. But that's the power of it. Yeah. But I'm going to leave a little bit. We're going to have a little song here. My good friends, the High Risers. Todd, Greg, Trevor, before it was Jason Smay. 
on their album hanging around with you. This sums up the idea of collecting, and it's Mr. Todd Bradley. It's called I'm In Love With My Record Collection. Uh, see, that'll be good. So enjoy that song. I'm going to throw the shout-out to our sponsors before we... And all of you, when you collect these episodes, oh. well, I want part of your million. Exactly. Once you sell... Ha! Once you sell these things that exist but don't actually exist. And when we get shirts and then you get them, tell me online when you get the first hundred grand for them. Right, because then I'll laugh. And then you can wake up. But still brought to you by Upsitnik and Associates Law Offices, Lawyers for You, the People, for over 40 years from Alaska to the Supreme Court, UpsitniksLaw.com, Upsitnik and Associates on Facebook. So that does it for us. We're going to collect ourselves out of here, but sit back for the next You're couple the collecting agency. Right. So sit back for a couple minutes, enjoy the enjoy the high risers. Stay warm. Stay warm and we'll see you next time. It all began when I was seven. The Partridge family and the Jackson Five. I put a record on, it felt like heaven. It really made me feel alive. Listen to the radio, but all they played was songs my mom liked to hear. It didn't have the proper ratio of the ones that I liked to the ones that I didn't. I'm in love with my record collection. I'm in love with my record collection. And I'm hoping that you understand. Well, it grew and I grew up with it. Something to say